a podcast about the overlooked, forgotten, and underground tales of San Francisco. This is Sorted SF. And welcome back to what I believe is episode four of season two of Sorted SF. Hi. Um, I don't know if you can tell by my voice, but I'm a little sick. So um, bear with me while I try to get through this. Um, I, my mom told me to take the week off and I said, no, I'm trying to be consistent. So here we are. And today we are learning about we're kind of doing a an overview of our guy, Jim Jones. We've all heard of Jonestown, the famous mass suicide cult run by Jim Jones. But did you know that the cult and Jim Jones have some really deep roots here in San Francisco? So let's get started. Our sources for this episode include articles from foundsf.org, the SF Chronicle, Wikipedia, um, and an article from Salon Magazine. So here we go. As a young child, Jones was a regular churchgoer, and after graduating from Butler University, he decided to enter the ministry. In the 1950s and 60s in Indianapolis, Indiana, Jones gained a reputation as a charismatic churchman who claimed to have psychic powers such as the ability to foretell the future and miraculously heal those who were sick. In 1955, he established the Wings of Deliverance, a Pentecostal church that eventually became known as the People's Temple Full Gospel Church, and then the People's Temple of the Disciples of Christ, and then shortened to People's Temple. During this time, he was noted for his work with the homeless, and in the early 1960s, he served as director of Indianapolis's Human Rights Commission. Fearing nuclear war, Jones relocated his church from Indiana to Northern California in 1965, first settling near Ukiah and then in San Francisco to the Fillmore District in 1971 and Los Angeles in 1972. In Ukiah, Jones was able to use his education degree from Butler to secure a job as a history and government teacher at an adult education school. Jones used his position at the adult education school to recruit for People's Temple, teaching his students the benefits of Marxism and lecturing on religion. Jones planted loyal members of the People's Temple in the classes to help him with recruitment. The People's Temple spread a message that combined elements of Christianity with communist and socialist ideology with an emphasis on racial inequality. Cool, that sounds great. His apostolic socialism was influenced by the Marxist liberation theology popular among Latin American clergy at the time. He mixed social concerns with faith healing and an enthusiastic worship style drawn from the black church. He also invited members to live communally in an effort to realize his utopian ideal. While in San Francisco, Jones supplied 2,000 of the 5,000 demonstrators who showed up to protest the evictions of low-income tenants from the International Hotel, which were primarily black folks. And on Memorial Day of 1977, Jones and 600 followers turned out for a huge anti-suicide demonstration at the Golden Gate Bridge. So that's kind of the whole vibe of the People's Temple. Soak it in. For directional context, 
I guess, geographic context. Their headquarters in San Francisco was on Fillmore and Geary, right next to the Fillmore Music Venue. The building has since been knocked down and replaced by a U.S. Postal Office branch. So even though the things he was preaching were as close to what Jesus actually taught as you could be, Jones's personality was kind of a major drawback. He had a paranoid authoritarian streak that worsened over the years. He craved absolute love, absolute worship, absolute obedience, and eventually reached the point of insisting upon it at no matter what price. And though the folks in San Francisco recognized him as being creepy and weird, how they felt about him was no match for what Jones could do for them. In the 1975 mayoral race, Jones rallied members of the People's Temple from all over the state and bussed them into San Francisco. Due to basically no security at the precincts, members of the People's Temple, whether they were residents of the city or not, were able to place their votes for Moscone. It's likely that Moscone wouldn't have won without the People's Temple's, quote, help. Even the People's Temple claimed that they stole the election for Moscone. Uh, when Moscone did win, Jones collected his debt by getting himself named Commissioner of Housing. Jones and the Temple received support of California figures, political figures such as Moscone, Governor Jerry Brown, Congressman Mervyn DeMalley, State Assembly Speaker Willie Brown, Assemblyman Art Agnes, and Supervisor Harvey Milk. Willie Brown visited the temple numerous times and spoke publicly in support of Jones. Jones and Moscone met privately with presidential nominee Jimmy Carter's then-running mate, U.S. Senator Walter Mondale, in San Francisco days before the 1976 presidential election. Jones also met First Lady Rosalind Carter on multiple occasions, including a private dinner, and corresponded with her in letters. He also had many happy exchanges with the offices of Ronald Reagan and statesman Henry Kissinger. Governor Jerry Brown sang the preacher's praises. Congressman John Burton lobbied the governor to appoint Jones to the high-profile Board of Regents, which oversaw California's sprawling public university system. San Francisco supervisor and now U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein accepted an invitation to lunch with Jones and to tour the People's Temple, but no political figures were more gushing in their praise to Jones than Willie Brown and Harvey Milk. Milk aggressively sought Jones's political blessing, quote, our paths have crossed. They will stay crossed. It is a fight that I will walk with you into. The first time I heard you, you made a statement. Take one of us and you must take us all. Please add my name. Jones didn't want to be praised in secret, so he staged a testimonial banquet in his own honor and demanded that the politicians in his debt offer him public tribute. On the evening of September 25th, 1976, the People's Temple headquarters on Geary was converted into a formal dining hall with linen tablecloths and floral arrangements. At the head table sat Moscone, District Attorney Freitas, and Assemblyman Willie Brown, who acted as the evening's MC. As he introduced the man of the hour to the overflowing audience, Brown <laughs> reached new heights of shamelessness, ass-kissing, and puffery. Let me present to you, Brown roared, a combination of Martin Luther King, Angela Davis, Albert Einstein, and Chairman Mao. So yes, that is Willie Brown um, 
calling Jim Jones of Jonestown and the People's Temple cult a combo of MLK, Angela Davis, Einstein, and Chairman Mao. Uh, he The only time he really landed himself in hot water was when he praised the Sibonese Liberation Army, a radical Bay Area group, um, and like members of the SLA attended uh, the People's Temple's meetings. And just for some more context, the SLA is the group that kidnapped Patty Hearst. Uh, but that's a story for another day. Um, so at the same time he was developing all this political clout, Jones was showing signs of the insanity that would later lead to Jonestown. As far back as 1973, Jones and his inner circle had developed a fantasy contingency plan for mass suicide in case People Temples ever found itself to be destroyed by its enemies. There's even a point in 1975 that Jones conducted a bizarre experiment at People's Temple headquarters on Geary Street. Jones announced that an excellent wine had been vented from grapes grown at the temple's former Redwood Valley headquarters up in Ukiah, and that all those present should indulge, despite the temple not allowing alcohol. But Jones was like, no, it's from our old it's from our old town. We love it. It's so good. We got to drink it. So Jones circulated among his flock, making sure that everyone was drinking. Then he called for the attention and grimly announced that the wine contained a potent poison. Everyone in the room would be dead within an hour. By killing themselves in mass, Jones explained, they would be protesting the world's inhumanity. The members of the congregation did not react and it just accepted their fate. No one protested. Of course, as we know now, this experiment was a warm-up of what was to come in 1978 in Guyana. Guyana? I really don't know how that's pronounced. Doesn't matter. Um, in November 1978, Jones and most of his followers had moved to Guyana to escape the greed and corruption of America. They started a communal village, Jonestown and kept themselves busy by growing food and improving the settlement's primitive infrastructure. But Jones was going from weird to worse. Convinced that the U.S. government was plotting against him, and he was probably right, given that any openly pro-communist leader with Jones's persuasive abilities was bound to attract the attention of the CIA, FBI, and basically anyone who's anti-communist, um, he then turned into just a full-fledged nutcase. November 18th, 1979, Congressman Leo Ryan led a team of U.S. investigators and journalists into Jonestown, and all hell broke loose. Congressman Ryan and, a various, and various aides and journalists were just absolutely mowed down on the airstrip before they could even board their plane. Um, only some survived. Meanwhile, back in Jonestown, Jones was mixing up a huge vat full of purple-hued grape flavor aid spiked with potassium cyanide, and the people were getting ready to drink. The whole community had assembled in the central pavilion surrounded by heavily armed security personnel. No one here gets out alive. The youngest Jonestowners went first. Jones's 12-person medical team shot the flavor aid into the backs of their throats with syringes. And parents and grandparents cried as their children thrashed, screamed, vomited, vomited blood, convulsed, and then eventually died. And this was all being recorded, um, like audio recorded. So 
you can listen to that if you ever want to feel really shitty. On the last bit of tape, you can hear Jones state, We've set an example for others. 1,000 people who say, We don't like the world the way it is. Take our life from us. We didn't commit suicide. We committed an act of revolutionary suicide protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. Three high-ranking temple survivors claimed they were given an assignment and thereby escaped death. Tim Carter and his brother Mike, aged 30 and 20, and another Mike named Mike Prokes, 31, were given luggage containing about half a million U.S. dollars and an envelope, which they were told to deliver to the Soviet embassy. The letter stated, and then I'm, I'm going to butcher this name, guys, so forgive me, it's Russian. Um, the letter stated, Dear Comrade Timofeyev, the following is a letter of instructions regarding all of our assets that we want to leave to the Communist Party of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Enclosed in this letter are letters which instruct the banks to send the cashier's checks to you. I'm doing this on behalf of People's Temple because we, as communists, want our money to benefit, want to be of benefit for help to oppressed peoples all over the world or in any way that your decision-making body seems fit. The letter included listed accounts with balances totaling in excess 7.3 million to be transferred to the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. The brothers were given the tasks before the suicide started, and once they found out what was going on, absolutely bailed on that. Tim Carter desperately tried to search for his wife and son, discovering his son just in time to witness him being poisoned and suffering and dying. Um, his wife killed herself in despair while watching her son suffer. At this point, Carter had a nervous breakdown and was pulled away to uh, try to escape with his equally distraught brother. Two others survived, actually. 76-year-old Hyacinth Thrash, who hid under her bed until everyone had died. And Grover Davis, 79, who was hard of hearing and had missed the announcement to gather. Uh, when he realized what was happening, he just hid in a ditch and played dead. Um, it's... You know, obviously, like, none of this is funny, but I can't help but chuckle of just, like, this old man just like, oh, I missed the announcement. I wonder what's going on. And then realizing, like, oh, I literally dodged a bullet. Uh, I guess I'll hang out in this ditch. Um, I do want to make it clear, though, that a handful of residents of Jonestown did do this willingly. Like, many of the deceased had written last wills and testaments stating that they too would leave all their bank assets to the Communist Party of the USSR, and others left notes affirming Jones's message and allegiance to him. Like a lot of these people called Jim Jones dad, and so like a lot of the messages said things like, dad was the only one who ever believed in me, like thanks dad, and shit like that. Um, but all in all, 918 folks died at Jonestown, including Jim Jones. Um, it was it wasn't until November 18th, 2018, actually, that the first memorial was ever held in San Francisco for the victims of Jonestown. Since the event, like in the 70s, Oakland had been honoring those who had perished. But San Francisco kind kind of seemed to like try and push it completely under the rug. To be fair, how embarrassing, like this guy that you let into the inner circle of your government and publicly praised murdered like over 900 people. So I'd be quick to want to distance myself too, but obviously that's not the right thing to do. Um, 
so yeah, that's kind of all I have. I know it's like a very high level, undetailed <laughs> description of Jim Jones and the People's Temple, but honestly, the whole thing, if you like try to start researching the People's Temple, it has so many different facets to it, you know, and everything that led to Jim Jones being able to have as much power as he did was all tied into social fabric and socioeconomic issues and race issues and just catching these people at this perfect time. And it's not like these people were stupid. They wanted, you know, to live in a utopian society and they wanted to, you know, feel like the freedom that was promised to them as humans. And they felt that they could get that by following Jim Jones's messaging. And to be fair, he did a lot of like really helpful things for the city. Like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of voter fraud, but like, I guess, thank God Moscone won. And like, I don't, what reality would we be in if like the lovely Mayor Moscone hadn't been elected? I don't know. Um, there's just a lot. And I don't have the mental fortitude nor health this week to dive too much more into it. Um, because it's also really fucking depressing. Um, but I do highly recommend you give Jim Jones a Google. He's an absolute creep. Um, if you ever want to get creeped out, definitely listen to those Jonestown recordings. He's an absolute like loon. Um, last podcast on the left, though I can't stand those guys' voices, they did do an amazing, amazing like three or four part like episode bunch of episodes on Jonestown and they got super into the ins and outs of like the whole thing. Um, and they do play some of the recordings of the podcast. So if you want to learn more, highly recommend last podcast on the left's series on Jonestown. Um, I feel like I had something else to say, but I can't really remember last night. I told my mom I was recording for Jonestown and like the people's temple. I was like, Oh mom, like, what do you know about the people's temple? And she was like, oh, like, what do you know about that? You weren't even here. How can you talk about something you weren't here for? Like, what? There's the internet. What are you talking about? Uh, so I thought that was funny. Uh, and then she told me she doesn't know how to find my podcast and she's never listened to it. But I knew that. Um, anyway, it's Monday. Um, I'm sick <laughs> and I love you. Peace out.